Hi, I'm Emily and I want to talk about my experience of losing my leg below the knee and the challenges that I face today. So I wanted to brush up on my childhood before I've done the main story, which I feel like it adds up a lot to how I reacted to when I had my accident because um, when I was a child, I think I was about two or three, I moved to live with my nan and granddad because my mum and my dad separated. My dad moved and lived with another woman he met online. So he moved across the country. So we didn't really hear anything from him. My mum, I think, struggled with that. So she kind of was on drugs looking after me and my siblings. Like she would leave us with babysitters who didn't have our best interests of mind. Um, so it was kind of hectic living there. Like we had dogs and she would let them just go to the toilet on the floor and we would be like, we thought that was normal at the time. So we would climb over that, go to bed. And it was just... It was a lot. It was a lot, yeah. It was just looking back at it now, because I have a therapist now who was like to me, you know, that's neglect. Right. But looking at it from when I was that age, I wouldn't have known the difference because I was, what, free? Mm-hmm. So it, I just thought that's life. Right. Um, and then my nan and granddad, once the social workers got in contact with them, they said, okay, either we take them or you can take them. And then my granddad and my nan were like, we'll take them, we love them, we wanna look after them. Um, And then shortly after that, my granddad died. So he was kind of the one who wanted to adopt us. He wanted us to have his last name. Like he would play games with us all the time. Nothing was ever too serious. Whereas my nan would be the one to kind of go to work. So we would spend more time with him. I was asleep on the couch one day and I woke up and he was gone. Like he'd passed away whilst I was asleep in like the kitchen. Like in the house? Yeah. Okay. Did you find him? I didn't, or... I was asleep this whole time. Okay. So my nan was in the kitchen with my granddad. Got it. Okay. And they were just, she was like to me the other week, we was just having a chat about washing machines. And then he had a heart attack. She didn't know what was happening. She just rang an ambulance. And by the time they got there, he'd passed away. Mm-hmm. And then I woke up after all this had happened and I didn't, I was like, where's he gone? I don't know, where's he gone? Um, And I don't think I understood what dying meant at that age. So when a family member said, oh, he's died, I was like, I don't know, okay. Well, also too, like being that age and then like going to sleep and he's alive and then waking up and he's gone. Yeah. doesn't really make much sense either. And I think because as well, my parents weren't there. Um, I was used to people just leaving. Yeah. So it was like, okay. So we had quite a normal childhood with my nan. I hit around 11. We would visit my dad on half terms. Um, so when school is out, we would go see him. He would take us out, drop us back home. And we wouldn't really hear from him during mm-hmm. school times. My mum would say that she was gonna visit us and just never turn up. So there would be me and my siblings like sitting by the window 
waiting for her to turn up and she just wouldn't. And then my nan would obviously take the brunt of that because we didn't understand. We thought it was something to do with her. So was that your mom's parents or your dad's parents? My mom's parents. Okay. Yeah. So they weren't that close with your mom either for the most part. They just didn't like what she had done. Right. Um, I think it got to a point where they had to stop contacting her for the sake of us right. because it was quite constant that she would just say, "We're gonna, I'm going to come, um, let me come. Yeah. And we would just be there like, where is she? Um, so my nan, I think for the best, just said, you can't ring anymore, stop ringing. And then the next time we heard from her would have been, I think I was about 11 and she rang and she said, I'm in prison. Um, I stabbed my partner. I need you to send some clothes. This was to my nan. One of my earliest other memories was going to a clothes shop and getting grey clothes to send her to prison, um, which was strange. Yeah. Um, and then I think once like my hormones started setting in, I was just constantly in like a low, low mood. And I think that was from the age of like 11, 12. Like I constantly was, I just didn't feel like everybody else. Like everybody else had these loving like families and I didn't have that. So I kind of spent a lot of time in my bedroom just, I didn't want to go to school, I so I didn't. And because of my nan's age, like she couldn't, she'd already had children to look after. And I think for her, she didn't know what was the right thing to do because she didn't want to upset us, but she, but I think we needed someone there to kind of put us into place. Yeah. And we didn't have that. So I just got away with everything. And it's not good of me to say that. And I look back now and I think I was nasty. Like, mm -hmm. if I didn't want to do something, I wouldn't do it. I didn't care about my education because I wasn't looking that far in advance. So I was constantly, like, anxious. I didn't want to talk to anyone. Um, and when we're, when we're that age, too, we don't really know any better. It's like, yeah. we think we know best. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, there's. I feel like everybody could look back and be like, well... I was a little asshole, you know what I mean? Yeah. And because when you're that age, you don't you don't care about your future. You don't know to no. look, look ahead and and make good decisions, no. you know. And we didn't have anyone to look up to in that regard of someone going out to work because my nan had to stop work, so she was at home all the time. And I think even though I didn't spend much time with her at the time, I felt more comfortable knowing that she was there mm -hmm. because it was like everyone's gone yeah so um, I'm like I'm gonna keep an eye on you make sure you're not leaving as well um and I just never had a great like outlook on the world at all I thought everything was very just miserable mm -hmm. because that's how I felt and yeah I didn't have many friendships because I didn't I didn't want to like I was happy just being there and not doing anything. Um, and I think I hit probably 14, 15. I started 
making friendship groups and it would be with the wrong people that you wouldn't want your child to be like hanging out with. So I was like smoking a lot of weed, doing a lot of drugs and it would be every weekend I would be doing drugs. We Throughout the weeks I'd be smoking all the time and I don't think I myself knew how much that made my mood worse Mm -hmm. Um, because I thought these people were my friends, but they're not my friends. You're just doing drugs with them. (laughs) And it's easy because the more people that are there, the more people put the money in, the more drugs you can do. Like Mm -hmm. I thought these people cared about me. They didn't care about me. They just wanted other people to do drugs with. Um, And then they would leave and I'd feel lonely again, very like just the same. Um, And I think it was this way till I was about 17. So I got to 17. I, I do think if I carried on the way I was carrying on, I'd, I don't know what would, what would have happened. Not a good outcome. No, not at all. And I remember this period of just, I was at home and I had this like really on edge feeling and I kept thinking like something bad mm-hmm. is gonna happen. And I think it's funny how your instincts work. Yeah, like a gut feeling. Yeah, I, and then to battle that, I thought to myself, okay, I'm going to go out and just do something, get my mind off it. So I remember my nan drove me into the town centre. She was like, see you later, okay. And um, I met up with my friend. I was walking down the high street went across the road and coming this way uh, there was a bus and I thought this bus was stopping so I stepped out and it didn't stop kept on going run over my right foot so my right foot was completely like crushed Mm. and I didn't realize the extent of what had happened I went to carry on walking but my foot was like limp. I Mm -hmm. couldn't do anything, I couldn't feel it at all. So I just sat on the floor and I think I wasn't in pain at all. And the girl that I was with was like, don't look at your foot. So when someone says Mm -hmm. that to you, you're like, okay, I'm gonna look. So I looked down and I was like, oh, that's not good at all. Um, So the paramedics turn up and I said to them, is it broken? And they was like, oh, no, no, not at all. And at that point, I was like, you're just saying that mm-hmm. to make me feel better. Um, so I got taken to the main hospital called King's College. It's in London. Um, and the first thing that they said, there was like surgeons, loads of people like around the hospital bed. And... Uh, the one sentence was, if we get her into the operation, we might be able to save the foot. And I was like, I didn't think it was that serious at all. Right. 
And even when they said that to me, I was like, that's like worst case scenario, surely. Mm. Um, but obviously I had a lot of painkillers in my system. So I didn't think much of it at the time. Um, and then the morning afterwards, I was in hospital and I said, like, can I go home? And I was like, no absolutely not like you mm -hmm. need more operations um and the main surgeon came up to me and said sorry i forgot what she said <laughs> i was like what did she say to me the cliffhanger there <laughs> um that's it wrapping yeah. it up there <laughs> All done. um she came, <laughs> yeah she came up to me and she said we're gonna need to do a debridement of your foot and i said you're not doing anything to my foot like I thought this was all ridiculous and being a teenager, you don't want to be in hospital. Mm -hmm. um, and she looked at me and she went, I don't know why you're getting annoyed with me. I'm not the one who ran you over and just left the room. And I was like, great. Cause you're the one giving me the news. I know, <laughs> I was like, okay, perfect. So yeah. I just sat there crying. I was like, fab. Mm -hmm. um, my nan, came to visit me and she said, like, I think this is bad, mm -hmm. basically. I don't think this is gonna end well. Um, so at this point, did you already have like one surgery or? I had a few surgeries, yeah. Okay. So they kept on having to just take off dead skin, mm -hmm. basically, because my foot had been crushed. Okay. A lot, sorry for. No, you're okay. A lot of the inside of my foot was bare. Okay. I think their main thing was, if we can keep the pulse, then maybe we can get the circulation going. Got it. Um, but in the end, like I could look down and my toes were like black, mm -hmm. necrosis. Um, but even then I was like, well, maybe that's like, toe transplants or mm -hmm. things like that because I had no idea of anything like this, if that makes any sense. Yeah. Like I didn't know anything about amputations or I just thought, okay, you break your bones, you get a cast, you go home. Mm -hmm. um, but I realized that that wasn't gonna be the case. So I think it was a, couple of days before my 18th birthday and I was still in hospital. I'd been in hospital for about two months at this point, just trying to save the foot. And Two um, months? Mm, wow. Yeah, two months. Um, and I felt like I was going stir crazy, crazy at yeah. this point because obviously I'd suffered with mental health before mm -hmm. and I was extremely anxious all the time mm -hmm. and when you're in a room by yourself for that long which I had been used to anyway but it wasn't my environment and now you're somewhere that's serious and there are things to be anxious about yeah now they came back to me and they undressed the bandage and they said, Emily, we're gonna need you to look at what we're working with now. 
because we need you to understand that we've done the best we can and we can't do anything to fix this. Mm -hmm. So I looked down and my foot was dead. Like it was, I didn't realize at the time um, because I could move my ankle, I thought everything was fine. Um, but then when I actually looked, I was like, right, okay. I need like, to. was your whole foot black? Mm-hmm. The whole foot, apart from the middle toe. Okay. So it was like a little F-U, yeah. I think. <laughs> I, like I was like, great, perfect. Right. Um, Can we save that one? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> was, I was like, it would be me, really. Um, the surgeons even made a joke about it. They was like, oh, we can save your middle toe if you want. Yeah. And I was like... Why? <laughs> I was like, thanks, guys, yeah. for the support. Um, they was like, we can either chop the part of your foot off that's dead and you will have to be wheelchair-bound forever, or we can give you an amputation below the knee, which will give you better functioning and give you a better quality of life. And I think I needed... A moment from hearing yeah. that because my nan was with me at the time and she burst into tears and I was like I was like don't cry it's fine like don't worry mm-hmm. um but at the same time I was thinking well, what what do I do now like going back to my younger years when I was anxious my main anxieties were the way I looked the way people saw me like I always felt like different and now it's like the flip of no I am going to be different right and (laughs) now it's like I think too it's like sometimes and this it sucks I I hate this about the way that our brains work Mm -hmm. but it's like the things that we worry about are actually so small yeah and then something serious happens then we're like i wish i could go back to those yeah, smaller small. concerns yeah. because now it's something that's like it, it's it, it changes things yeah it did and there would be moments where i could laugh and make jokes because that's a lot of how i cope with things yeah. and then on the flip side i was probably the most depressed i'd ever been because in, I, I don't know if it's the same here, but in the UK, like your 18th birthday is kind of when you get your freedom. Um, it's when you can start to, you're, you're more of an adult at that yeah. point. And my 18th birthday, they said, you can go home for a week and then we'll schedule in your amputation for the following week. So they were gonna, they, they didn't want to do it right away or they didn't need to do it right away? Um, they wanted to give me time to process okay. it because they... I think it's more of like they think that helps your like psychological healing. Right. Um, but going home for that week, I was on about 15 pills a day, painkillers, things to stop infection. Were you in a wheelchair at this point? Um, I was meant to be, but okay. I just stayed in my bedroom okay. still. Mm-hmm. Um, I had friends come over and... I don't think I spoke to them much at all. I was probably not the funnest person to yeah. be around 
I think all I was doing really was crying. Mm -hmm. Like I didn't know anything else to do. I didn't want to go outside. When people would try and talk to me about it, I was, they compare it to the five stages of grief. Mm -hmm. So when you go through limb loss, it's similar to kind of losing a loved one, a loved one, sorry. Um, In the terms that at first you're denying it and I kind of thought, this isn't real. It's Mm -hmm. not happening. You kind of, on one side, you don't want to think about it, but then it's all you can think about Mm -hmm. because it's happening to you. And I just didn't know what to expect because I didn't know anyone who'd lost a limb. It's not something you see all the time or someone, you don't normally know someone close with that. So I had no one to relate to and people would try and talk to me but their way of talking to me would make me feel worse. Mm-hmm. People would be like, oh, are you gonna get a blade leg? It's like, I don't want a blade leg. Like I want my real normal leg. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, so it was, it was quite, it was difficult. I just wanted to be able to move around um, freely. And I knew that that was probably not something that I was gonna be able to do again. Like I can, I can move around now, but not to the extent that everybody else with two legs can. It's just and the way it is. And also it's not something that like, it just happens and then you're fine. It's gonna be therapy no. and. So they did offer me therapy and I didn't wanna talk about it mm-hmm. to anyone. I, in a weird way, my first, result was embarrassment Mm -hmm. like I feel embarrassed about this and I think my family have really more so my siblings very like harsh Mm humor and sometimes it works but other times I'm like I don't need to hear this right now um so I got in contact with my dad so when I was in the hospital before my birthday my dad came to visit me he didn't really ask me how I was doing, it was kind of, I think he just felt obligated Mm -hmm. to be there. And I said to him one morning, "Um, my friends are coming to visit me in the hospital. He was like, no, I am, tell them to go. I said, no. Um, So he texted me and said, I'm going back home. Um, I don't wanna hear from you again basically. And it was like, if there's any time to reconcile any relationship, I would, yeah, I would would hope that it would be. That's when you need the most support. Yeah, but I wasn't getting a lot of support. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so going back to when I was home, it was either, in my mind, it was have the operation or, this is a bit sad, but um, have the operation or end my life like that's how down I was at the time because I just didn't know what life was going to look like for me at all so my friends kind of took it in turns to stay with me over that week I was home because they was like we can't have you do anything yeah and in my brain it was so like set and sure like I didn't want to do it um, and on my 18th birthday, 
my nan invited like family round and she didn't tell me that anyone was coming. And I was like, I heard the doorbell go and I heard all of these family voices. And the last thing I wanted was for everyone to come in and have to talk to me about it because all I was doing was crying. And I knew I didn't want to make everybody uncomfortable because mm -hmm. um, they came with like party food, like non-alcoholic alcohol because of the medication I was on. And I was like, I don't want to have a party yeah. right now no. <laughs> like um no so many other things going on like it wasn't a time to celebrate no yeah. I didn't have any reason to celebrate and it just felt like everybody else was on such a different page to me like and this group of friends wanted to get cocaine mm -hmm. and have a like have their version of a party and I was just laying in bed like this can't be my life. Like, mm -hmm. no one is actually looking out for me. It's not how you would expect it. Like, if it was a movie, you would expect, like, a loving family to be mm -hmm. there, like, support, blah, 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 but it, it just wasn't like that. Um, so I went to my booked-in operation um, in St Thomas's in London, and there was this like lovely window and you was looking out like the London Eye, the, the bridge. So I had my amputation and straight away I was dealing with like phantom pain, um, which I didn't know that's what it was at the time. Like I'd heard of it before. And I think people's initial thing is that isn't real mm -hmm. it is real it's not nice at all um and it just was like electric shocks um and painful like i felt physical pain yeah but there was nothing there right. to feel pain um and then a few days later my brother came to visit with my friends and we was just looking out the window and we witnessed the um, terrorist attack on the bridge play out and we saw a woman go under the bus. It was just like carnage. Like it was, my nan was outside. She wasn't allowed back into the hospital. Um, and it, it was really, like, it was scary. Mm -hmm. um, and I think seeing this woman go under the bus, and obviously I had an accident, not at all similar, but it was kind of like... It was more, it was relatable to Yeah, you. it yeah. was relatable, and I kind of realised it could have been a lot worse. I feel like maybe it, like, it kind of put into perspective that, yeah, like, you could have died or something. Or yeah. could have, you know, like, something that wasn't like it was still hard for you yeah but it could have been like you could not be here kind of thing yeah you know? that's how I felt yeah. and then I felt really selfish because I felt for so long not worthy of mm -hmm. living like I didn't want to and I wasted so much time just not doing anything with my life and 
it took, I think, these chain of events to make me acknowledge that there is more to life and things don't have to be as bleak and horrible. I thought, okay, I may as well just give it <laughs> give it a go. Well, I don't have a choice here, so I can either carry on doing what I was doing before or I can just live somewhat of a life. Like, it doesn't have to be the best life ever, but it can, it can be something yeah. that I can enjoy because what I was doing before wasn't getting me anywhere and I didn't have the means to carry on like that anymore. And I think too, you know, as traumatic as things like that are and as life-changing as they are, mm -hmm. I think that when, when something like that happens, you can either go one of two ways. You can let mm -hmm. it consume you or you can let it, and like define you, or you can let it kind of teach you a lesson in life and help you be stronger. Mm -hmm. Like I always think of things like that, like anything bad that happens, it's like you can always like let it get you down and stay down mm -hmm. where you can be like, okay, no, like I'm going to let, like obviously for some reason this was meant to happen mm -hmm. as horrible as it may be mm -hmm. and life changing as it may be, but like I'm going to help this teach me to be like a stronger person mm -hmm. and like find a new way to live life yeah you know and I, I feel like that's kind of uh -huh. I think it was like it was a wake-up call mm -hmm. not the best wake-up no, call definitely not but I needed something because the way I was living before I wasn't going to get anywhere and if I did get to 80 what would I have to show mm -hmm. because I wasn't going anywhere yeah. and I think this kind of reset my path in a way I had to think positive like I right. ended up I was still in my room a lot but instead of just not doing anything and kind of wallowing I was watching like positive videos like trying to find things to relate to and things to kind of lift my mindset mm -hmm. so that I could face the world really and I'm not saying that I was absolutely fine after that because right. I wasn't, but I could handle things more. I think in general, like things like that, like we were saying too before is it gives you like a second chance at things because mm -hmm. like we were saying, it could have been worse. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? You could have like, that could have just been it for you. Yeah. But the fact that it wasn't, it gives you like another chance at life and to live it, like you said, either the way you were going or mm -hmm. kind of like a reset. And I feel like the reset was the best thing for you. And it's interesting, too, because actually my dad, he had his leg amputated from the knee down, like a little yeah. bit below the knee down. So when I was younger, like I would see what he went through. Yeah. And like he I was young, but like as a child, it seemed like he was pretty positive about it yeah. and like had it had it down, like with, you know, putting the leg on and all the steps that yeah. he would do. But I could see that there was still a lot of struggle, like the pain. Like I could see that, like, I mean, years later, he was still in pain. Yeah. Um. So it's just interesting because in a way, like when Julie was telling me about the emails, like that's, yeah, I was like, that's interesting because my dad had his like yeah. amputated. Um, he was in a motorcycle accident. Yeah. But yeah, it's just like, as far as that goes, like how are you now with everything? I think I'm never going to sit there and say, everything's great mm -hmm. because it is I'd compare it to like a chronic illness yeah. like 
some days you're fine and I actually surprise myself with how much I can do and then the next day I'm struggling I right. can't do anything and like some days are like it's more painful mm-hmm. okay so if I get invited to do something I can go and know that I'm going to be filling it tomorrow mm-hmm. basically um if I if something involves a lot of walking then I anticipate that I'm going to get a blister and okay. I'll need to spend time just resting resting mm-hmm. yeah and I think I still struggle with I feel like it's an annoyance to other people because mm-hmm. I can't do things as quickly or I can't just wander endlessly. Mm-hmm. So it's difficult for me to say when I've had enough because I don't want to disadvantage other people of doing right. what they want to do. Um, so I'm still learning how to say, look, I need to take a break now because I feel like people will get annoyed at me when it's not necessary. I was talking to my sister and she was like, why would I get annoyed at you? You have mm-hmm. a disability. And I'm like, yeah. oh yeah, I suppose so. Like when you put it like that, like, it's like, yeah. Yeah. And the thing is too, I think, how many years has it been? Five. Okay. Oh yeah. I think too, because how old are you? 24. Okay, so you're like my age. Like we're still so young that like, I feel like our mindset is about others still. Mm-hmm. But I feel like at, at some point you'll get to a place where it's like, you're like, okay, no, like I've ha- I've been dealing with this long enough that I know what my limits are yeah, and like I need to speak up, you know yeah. what I mean? And, and I think too, it, it's, it's tough. And that's like the, that's to put it lightly, mm-hmm. you know, like you're, we're young, like you, it's, it's definitely a challenge. But like I said, I, I can't express enough. I feel like I know everything happens for a reason, no matter what people's beliefs are. Yeah. And I really think that. Things like this happen for a way bigger reason than we can even, like, understand. Like, besides Mm -hmm. even, like, your life path. Like, oh, like, it reset me. Like, yeah, I do think maybe that was part of it. But I also think, like, because, and I, once again, I know I always say, like, I always say this to every guest, like, in their own way. But, like, there's other people out there in Mm -hmm. the world, many other people that are going through this and probably have the same thoughts. You know what I mean? And the fact too, if you think about it, like that you're sitting here on a platform Mm -hmm. discussing your struggles Mm -hmm. and the, you know, how it affected your mental health. And even to this day, how you still feel. And like, you're even five years later, you're still like, yeah, I'm like starting to find my voice with it and learn my limits. But like, there's other people that are feeling that. And I feel like, in a way, I always think like whenever I watch interviews of people that have gone through something like this, it's like, I believe it happened to them because like, the universe or God or whatever, like knew that they were strong enough to handle it and then give them a voice Yeah. to like be the voice for others. So the mm-hmm. people can like feel related and be like, okay, well that's somebody else that if they went through it, I'm not alone and I can mm-hmm. get through it too. It's like, it, it forms this almost like invisible community that you don't even realize there's people yeah. that will like watch and listen and feel heard and like it could help them. Yeah. So I feel like it gives you this voice that you might not have used in in that type of way, you know yeah. what I mean? Which I think is so empowering. And like, that's something that even you should be proud of and remember because it's like, obviously it's such a traumatic thing and it's it's terrifying, mm-hmm. especially being so young at any age, but it you were strong enough to get through it and handle yeah. it. Like you made that choice mentally to be like, no, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do it and I'm gonna handle it. And like, it might take me time to really like 
get to where I want to be mentally with everything. And but I think I'm still, I'm yeah. still doing that. Like right. I, I wouldn't say, I feel like every day is different. Yeah. And I feel like my main thing is if there is anyone listening who has gone through something similar is to say that it's okay if you're not feeling 100% right now. Mm-hmm. And tomorrow you might feel great. And then in a year you might not feel amazing. Yeah. And then you'll feel good. Right. Like that doesn't make any sense at all. What it does. Said. But um, every day is going to be different. Every Yeah. And I think you're allowed to talk about it, whether you feel great or mm-hmm. you feel rubbish. And because I think with, a lot of stories like this you kind of see on the news and they're doing something amazing and it's like they're in the Paralympics or they're doing like trampolining competitions or things like that and I think it's okay to live a completely normal life and you don't have to live up to the expectation because the thing that I had the most when I was in like my physiotherapy sessions was oh you're gonna be a Paralympic a Paralympian Mm -hmm. I don't, I just want to, I don't want to do that. But it was constant, like, you're going to be yeah. a Paralympian or you can do this or you can do that. But it's like, what, why can't I just live a right. normal life? Yeah. Like, I don't need to do all of these amazing things to feel, I, I know. To feel good enough. Yeah, and like, right, yeah. Yeah, and I think it's amazing that people do that. I do, but I also think it's amazing if you kind of just want to, chill through life and get a job and live a completely just normal life yeah I was gonna say it's like your story shows more of like the non like I feel like glamour side of it like it's like just normal and you're gonna have it's okay to have bad days mentally Mm -hmm. and physically Mm because like you said some days are more painful than others Mm -hmm. and you might need more rest but like that you can still get through it you know what I mean but in your own way Mm -hmm. um and of course I have two young children now and I think that also reshaped my way of thinking Mm -hmm. because I need to show them that it's okay to be different like my son came up to me it was about a week ago and he said your leg's different isn't it mummy and I said yeah it is he said what happened and I said I explained in the, the most briefest terms. Yeah. Like I wasn't going to get mm-hmm. into details with my four-year-old. Um, and he said, did the doctors give you a new leg? And I said, yeah. And he was like, oh, okay, mm-hmm. that's good. But he doesn't see any different. Right. So he'll like in the mornings wake me up with my leg. He'll be like, here you go, mummy. Yeah. He doesn't know any different. But I think other children because they're not exposed to it or other I, mm. children really aren't like the problem like you see a lot of things like children stop and stare it's the adults mm-hmm. the adults stop and stare um like talking to my therapist even he said to me do when you go to the beach do children stare and point at you and I was like well I was never worried about that until <laughs> you've said it and mm-hmm. I feel like there's still a lot of understanding to be had with even let me start with therapy like yeah. therapists if I go to a therapist they instantly think that I want to talk about my leg mm-hmm. no I have a hundred and one right. other problems <laughs> like yeah. this is the least of my worries now Sorry. well I was just gonna say that I think too like even with your children like 
you're teaching your children at such a young age to accept people mm-hmm. no matter what. You know what I mean? So that's like something else because like you said, there are a lot of kids that aren't exposed to that yeah. and aren't taught sincerity. Mm-hmm. So I feel like the fact that, you know, you're teaching them that at such a young age that it's okay, like that's something might not be the same as everybody else, but like accept it and yeah. still love it and, and everything in between. So I think even that is powerful because yeah. you're going to, you know, you're raising your kids with. Yeah. I think that, that it's nice because he's getting to the age now where he's a lot more understanding mm-hmm. and I can see just how kind and understanding he is growing right. up to be. Um, but on the flip side, it is hard because I kind of have to hold myself up to this standard of, I feel like I can't let them see that it does affect me. Mm -hmm. And it's hard to find the middle ground with that because when we do go on like holidays and things, of course I'm gonna feel anxious going to the beach and having to show my leg because Mm -hmm. people do stare. But on the flip side, I need to show them that mummy can do it. Like, I can do that. It's fine. It doesn't bother me. It does sometimes. Other times, I'm like, okay. It's just part and parcel. Like, if you haven't seen it before, you're going to look. I feel like I do everything now for them. And I think from their perspective, because I want them to grow up and be understanding, strong. Really soon after I had my um, operation... I got in touch with my mum. I think it was a lot for me. I thought now is the time, like they're gonna wanna look after me Mm -hmm. now. And I think I was searching for them to kind of build the relationship. Yeah. Yeah. And went to go and stay with her for a bit. And they got to a point where I understood that she didn't understand what was going on because we went to walk through the shopping centre and it was only a month or so afterwards Mm -hmm. and she didn't... She was getting annoyed at me because I couldn't walk as fast and I was getting irritable because why didn't anyone understand that Mm -hmm. I can't walk as fast? Was she doing better at this point or was it still like... She was doing better but she... Her her moods right. are very sp- sporadic. Mm-hmm. Um, so I kind of got into a place where I didn't want to mention anything. So I was right. going along with it. And then it got to a point where I said, like, I can't walk any further. I can't mm-hmm. physically do it. Do it. Yeah. And we got home and... It was a little bit frosty and a comment she made when she didn't think I was in the room was, if she doesn't stop moaning, I'm going to make her walk home. But I lived about two hours away, so it's kind of a dig at me. I'd say, yeah, that's terrible. Mm -hmm. Yeah, she made that and it was like, okay. And then another comment she made when I found out I was pregnant with my son was, you know he's going to take the mick out of you for your leg, right? Like, he's going to make jokes about you. If he gets annoyed with you um, when he's a teenager, the first thing he'll do is insult your leg. And I was like... Um, no. I was like, You're not raising a little asshole. No. I, I said, no, he wouldn't. But then no. in the back of my head, I was like, 
is he? Like, like, is that what happens? Um, so yeah, I had them thoughts in the back of my head, like mm-hmm. everyone's just... Well, also when it's coming from a parent, it's like whether you guys had that great of a relationship yeah. or not, you're going to take in what someone yeah. like that says to you. I'm very like sensitive i'm a sen- yeah. i can hold my hands up i am a sensitive person like if right. someone said something i will help i have like a little book in my brain of like mm. nasty things yeah. people have said um and i think i've gotten to the point now where people do still make comments about it um but i kind of pick my battles mm-hmm. on what's the what what do i respond to right. and what do i just brush off because mm-hmm. it is so People's idea of what is right and wrong to say to someone with a disability is very skewed. It's an evil world, that's mm-hmm. for sure. Yeah. Um, like I've just started college um, mm-hmm. because I want to go on to be a midwife. And my first thoughts were like, what if the place isn't like accessible? Because if I need to go up flights of stairs, like I can't really do that. Yeah. Um, so even things like getting a lift pass to go up to the fifth floor where I needed to go, I turned up late to one lesson. She said, why are you late? I said, because I don't have a lift pass. And she said, well, you could have sorted that out another time. And I'm like, but you know that right. I can't, like going up and down the stairs takes me longer right. than everyone else. I feel like we're a long way from kind of understanding and accepting that disabled people do need that bit of extra help and also i think it's simple sincerity you know what i mean like Mm -hmm. it's one thing if somebody's late because they're screwing around Mm -hmm. it's different because somebody's late because they actually were struggling with something you know what i mean and that goes for anything Mm -hmm. and i think that that's just basic fucking sincerity that people a lot of people don't have and it's terrible i think people because they don't have to deal with right. it they don't understand it and yep. I've it's come not their to, problem it's not yeah and I've come to accept that and I think that is hard as well because you want people to kind of understand mm-hmm. you I think everyone wants people to understand them you want people to understand you but at the same time you can't expect it because not enough people do you know and it's yeah. just it sucks, but I think it kind of goes back to what you were saying too about choosing your battles mm-hmm. and just like realizing it's just not even, it's not it's even not worth, worth it. it. Yeah. It's not worth it. Like just small things. Like I went out to the pub with my sister and her friends and one of her friends was like, um, haha, you've got one leg. Like, it's just so uncalled for. Yeah. Like, just small and that's happened another time like I'd be sitting with a group of people friends of friends and I think it's because they don't know me so it's mm-hmm. easy for them to just be like like crack jokes mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. crack jokes at me and it's just like you're trying to keep your spirits up and people don't allow you to do that well the thing is too is it's insensitive to do that because you don't know where somebody is mentally on their healing journey like there might come a point in your life where you really don't give a shit and like you do think that those things are funny but like people can't assume that like that's where you are mentally but i the i think it's difficult for people to 
know the line because mm-hmm. I, I crack jokes myself. Yeah. Like I, I do it all the time. But as soon as someone else does, I'm like, oh. Right. That's, yeah. that's nasty. But then I, I maybe that's a me thing that I need to work on is mm-hmm. to put boundaries in place. But yeah. if I don't know the person at all, they don't know me well at all Mm -hmm. then I don't think it's their place to say anything but like what you said people are cruel Mm -hmm. and it's trying to find the right people to kind of spend your time with that understand you can't do things as quick and you're not always going to be in the best of places Mm -hmm. like I think it is important and even for people with two legs, like mm-hmm. you need you need that good support system. Absolutely. But I think it is important to just check in. People will always make unnecessary comments. Mm-hmm. Um and unfortunately disabled people are still like people's go to joke, which is sad really, it is. because disabled people struggle the most, mm-hmm. like firsthand. I don't want to have to wake up in the morning and have to remember to put like a sock on, a leg on, a sleeve on. And then when it's summer, I don't feel comfortable wearing certain clothes because I don't want people to look at me or having to second guess for me is midwifery going to be the best idea for me when Mm. I struggle to walk places because it's a you're going to be on on your feet a long portion of the day mm-hmm. um so then I will get myself into like a bit of a bad headspace of thinking I'm not going to be able to do that mm-hmm. I don't know why I'm going to college I don't know why I'm putting all this effort into something that I can't do but then on the flip side it's you've not even tried it yet right so what's the point in sitting there and not doing it because what else am I going to do? Yeah, and I think the thing that the best thing to lean on at this point, and obviously that's not to say that there won't be a struggle, but is like your mental health and your mental mm-hmm. strength. Because if you can keep that up as best as you can, I think mm-hmm. like it kind of reflects on everything in life. Mm-hmm. But you're always going to have the days that you question yourself yeah. or you're down. or It's a constant struggle. It is. You know? Obviously, it's a physical disability, mm-hmm. but there is the side that no one can see, which is the mental struggle that comes along with that because I'm fine, I'm happy when I'm able to mobilise and walk around. But as soon as I get a blister and I have that mobilisation taken away from me because I can't walk, it's like, okay, I'm stuck here again. Like, I can't move, I can't Mm -hmm. do anything. Like, I can't even get up and make myself a drink. So I'm depending on other people to do things for me which I want to be able to do myself. And I think it's accepting that that is what life is going to be like. Yeah, it's part of it. Yeah. And I think it's funny because we all want to be like independent Mm -hmm. and we don't want anyone to help us. But when you do have a disability, you kind of have to give that up and be like, okay, I do need help. And in general, I think too, that's, that's another good point and something important to mention because I'm... I've always been like that too, where it's Mm -hmm. like, I don't want anybody's help. It's like, you always want to be independent because we think that that's what makes us strong. Mm -hmm. But in reality, I think what makes you even stronger is willing to accept help, Mm -hmm. you know, because 
whether it's physical help or mental help or just life help, like everybody needs yeah. help at some point in their yeah. life. And I think that if you're willing to open up and be vulnerable and accept that and, and admit like, all right, I need help. Mm-hmm. That's when, like you said, a really good support group comes in yeah. and the people that are surrounding you, because if they're good people, mm-hmm. they're going to want to help. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And you, you'll realize with time that it's not a burden to ask them. Yeah. You know? And I think as with everything I've said, sometimes it's more difficult than others. Like yeah. disabled people are not the problem. The perception of disabled people is and the surrounding environment is not catered for people with disabilities Mm -hmm. like the subway that's not accessible i can't get down the all these stairs when people Mm -hmm. like rushing up like things that you wouldn't even think about like big flights of stairs you would go okay stairs walk up the stairs i'm getting to the stairs i'm like okay how am I going to do this? Like, people are going to see me, like, limping. Mm-hmm. Um, what if I trip up? Yeah. Things like this. Um, or puddles. Snow. Mm-hmm. Snow is awful. Yeah. Um, if it's if the floor is icy, I don't know if I'm going over. Mm-hmm. And sometimes you just have to laugh, like I can, yeah. because it is embarrassing, but it is, it's it's. What are you going to do? But what yeah. are you going to do? And it's funny, like, if anyone else falls over, sometimes, not not badly. Yeah. So, <laughs> You're not okay. Bad, but, like, if someone does fall, I think the best reaction is to laugh mm-hmm. because it would be worse to just cry. Yeah. Like, a funny time with my boyfriend, we went on a holiday together. So you have to pay to get different types of legs. Like, mm-hmm. the everyday leg, you cannot get submerged in water. Okay. And... They're a lot of money. Like, mm-hmm. legs are more than a car. Yeah. Like, 20 grand, I'm talking. That's crazy. Because I had a long court case. Mm-hmm. And before I got compensated, I was just... I had this one everyday leg. Um, I couldn't get it submerged. Me and my boyfriend were on holiday. And he was like, come on, babe. Just put your leg on the floor. And... I'll like cover you up if you feel anxious like I'll walk next to you so no one can see you and Mm. you can like crawl so there's (laughs) people must have thought we were nuts because he was like come on baby you can do it there's me like crawling (laughs) with one leg on the sand like he's like you're doing great and um got into the sea stood up the wave like took me out Uh so I'm there like just being flung Uh among waves and he was like baby you okay and there's me like crawling back out like (laughs) he was like I think so I was like no (laughs) he's like come on babe so there's like my leg just sitting there me like crawling to try (laughs) and get my leg and he's like you're doing great Mm -hmm. I think it's just funny because everyone else was looking like What's going on? Right, is she okay? <laughs> yeah, and I was like, I'm having the best time. Like, this yeah. is really liberating right uh-huh. now. Um, so yeah, I think laughing mm-hmm. is the best form of getting over whatever you're going through. And it's your it's your new way of life, you mm-hmm. know. And and like I said, obviously, anything that happens like that is is sad, and it takes a lot of adjusting and kind of rewiring almost like your thought process Mm -hmm. and the way that you think about things in life in general. But 
I think that, you know, it seems like you are doing so well. Like, I know that you say, obviously, there's still bad days. Mm -hmm. But the fact that you're able to and wanted to come on here and talk about it and share Mm -hmm. your story, to me, that's always such a empowering, huge step. And Mm -hmm. it shows shows so much strength, um, which I think is incredible. Seriously. Thank you. No, I I really appreciate that. Of course, of course. When they find out about my accident, like Mm -hmm. even going to college, like other people be like, inspirational, inspirational. And I feel like that word, when you're disabled, loses a lot of meaning Mm -hmm. because you're constantly hearing it. And it's like, I don't know what you... Well, if you don't feel it, it's not going to feel like it holds meaning. You know what I mean? And I feel like everyone's version I don't know whether it's coming from a good place right. it, mu- it must be but sometimes it feels like it's coming from a oh like I feel bad for you yeah kind of yeah and I feel like don't you don't need to feel bad for me mm-hmm. I just want to be treated like a like anybody else normal person and when you're calling someone inspirational just because they're disabled it's mm-hmm. like I haven't done anything inspirational yeah that makes sense I just had an unfortunate accident and I didn't really have a choice Mm -hmm. I've had people I had a friend say to me if I were you I would have killed myself and it's like well thanks for that advice like what do you want me to do with that right I I think too it kind of goes back to what you were saying of people not not knowing what to say because of like it's just it's almost like we're not no one's educated enough no. like how to handle certain situations or handle trauma or grief or mm-hmm. anything in between it's like people don't know boundaries i agree and i think even you saying people aren't educated enough mm-hmm. i'd say i'm not educated yeah. enough like i don't know the ins and outs of like ableism like all I can share is my experience experience of the story but I know that there are a lot of bad things that happen Mm -hmm. directly to disabled people I'm not knowledgeable enough like I don't know the whole like ins and outs of the history you're learning every day too like within yourself so it's like you're not here to like preach anything but you're just here to express like okay this is how it is and I still struggle and mm-hmm. I still deal with it. But like at the same time, people should be aware and things should be more made more accessible. And yeah. I, I think all of those main things that I feel like people maybe know, but it's not really talked about that much Yeah, because not everybody deals with this. Not, but I think it's important to like what you have expressed is that you're not at a place yet where you're like, I know everything and yeah. I am at a place where I'm totally fine. Like you're still dealing with what's happened to you which is totally normal and I think that the only thing you're trying to do is just express that and explain your story and the journey that you're still currently on but just to make people more aware that to be more aware like be sincere be more aware and and not be so I think judgmental also like I, Mm I I know that what you said like about like yeah it's if it's more uncommon people will like look or stare but like why you know what I mean like I just don't I never really understand that like if like why would any like don't stay how about you just don't stare because why why would you ever want to make somebody feel uncomfortable you know what I mean I understand like a quick glance it is different like I think a lot of people are just curious Mm -hmm. but it's when if I was like sitting here and you're like yeah 
it makes you uncomfortable and mm-hmm. you don't need that. Yeah. And I think too, unfortunately, we just live in a world where there's many different types of people. There's nice understanding people and then there's assholes. Uh-huh. But no matter what journey you're going through or what experience you've had in life, you're going to see that in all different types of ways, mm-hmm. you know? But I, I feel like the only thing you can do is just express what you've gone through and how you feel. And I, I think too, like, I think it's great that you brought up the importance of kind of what's come after that. Like that thing should, you know, places should be made more accessible mm-hmm. and people should have more understanding and concern for people who have a disability. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, because if you're already struggling and you already feel like, I guess, what's the word? Like if you're already like stressed out about like how you were saying with your, with your class, I think it was mm-hmm. like, if you already feel stressed out, why would like people should be more sincere and understanding because that's only going to make you feel more stressed mm-hmm. rather than somebody's like, Oh, it's okay. Don't worry about it. We'll get it. Like I'll help you figure it out. Yeah. Like I feel like if people were more helpful in the world, yeah, that would make the biggest difference too. Yeah. Like lending a helping hand. You don't have to like know someone to want to help them. You no, know what I mean? And I think a lot of people do struggle yeah. with, just basic respect really and empathy Mm -hmm. um and i think it does show a lot more when you are disabled Mm -hmm. because you need that empathy you need that understanding because you might not see that i am struggling Mm -hmm. but i could be and that goes for anything too like even even just in everyday life like that's why Mm -hmm. people say all the time like it can go a long way just saying hello to somebody because mm-hmm. you don't know. Like, somebody could be having suicidal thoughts mm-hmm. that day. Somebody could be so depressed and hating their life and then a random person, like, compliments them or says hello and it changes their whole yeah, perspective. It so it's like sometimes it doesn't even have to be something that, like, you physically see with your eye. Mm-hmm. But it's just being aware that, like, everyone is going through their own yeah. thing, you know? And I think as much as everyone says it, kindness does go a long way. Mm-hmm. And I think... Hopefully one day we'll get to a point where the world is sunshine and butterflies. Yeah, a nicer but, place. Yeah, but I don't think it. I I don't think it is, mm-hmm. and I think it's what we make of that. Yeah. Because there is always going to be an arsehole, mm-hmm. but there's always going to be that nice moment that I spend with my kids, and I'd rather think about that than yeah that. But I also think too like. Even you just talking about it brings awareness mm-hmm. and light to the situation, mm-hmm. which I think is always important. Because even if it just makes one people or one person kind of realize, oh, like I should think about that, you know, yeah. going forward. I think that that awareness is key. And I feel like that's a way of educating and teaching people. Mm-hmm. And I think in a way that's what you're doing, which I think is incredible. Thank Seriously. You. So great Thank job with you. that. Thank yeah, you. Of course. Of course. 